Well, I pray that you're in agreement uh, with that. Uh, tonight is um, class number uh, 34, and we've put the date on them to help people keep track uh, of those. Um, and um, I am wrong. That is, I'm glad I put the date on there, right? It's actually class number 35, praise God, on the 27th. So class number 35. And I'll, t- I'll tell you part of the reason uh, we're normally further along uh, in, in this teaching and curriculum than we are right now. Of course, the, the virus and the quarantine and all this other stuff has, has uh, interrupted that. And so um, this year we may um, go beyond uh, 36 classes. Uh, and I was talking to some folks this morning who've been following along online. And um, some of the key things that I want to be sure that we cover um, is uh, renewing the mind. We haven't got to that section yet. And righteousness, we're going to really try to dig into righteousness tonight. And then um, there's some passages in Hebrews 6 that uh, I'm really feeling led to cover. So we, we may still have a few more weeks uh, live streaming discipleship class, but the Holy Spirit will show us and I'll keep you informed as to what all that looks like. But we'll certainly know better by this time next week um, what all uh, we have uh, left. Praise God. All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, open them with me to Romans, the third chapter. Romans uh, chapter 3. And um, we're in a section called Understanding Key Salvation Terminology. So the Bible uses words, obviously, to communicate uh, truth to us. They're not human words, they're God's words. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when Father God uses a word, inspires a word that has been recorded and preserved for us in what we call the Bible, His Holy Word, it's meant to communicate something to you, but not just communicate something to you, because all Scripture is inspired, this means it's God-breathed, This means that Father is trying to breathe something into you uh, as He speaks this to you, as He He communicates these things to you. He's wanting them to become a a part of you, something that, that, uh, I I use this expression sometimes, He allows us to breathe the fresh air of heaven by breathing in the the, the truth that is found um, within His Word. And so um, there are lots of uh, terms in the Bible that are connected to understanding our salvation. A lot of times uh, we tend to lump all those words together as only having one uh, specific meaning. And um, and the reality of it is each one, although connected and related, they they have uh, and carry with them their own individual meaning that that again helps uh, reveal to you and me the magnitude of our salvation, the 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 a fuller scope, uh, full scope. Amen. Uh, of, of what it is that's been done for us by Jesus and given to us freely, an abundance of grace, the Bible says, and a gift of salvation. So this is just review from last week. Um, the first word we looked at last week was the word propitiation. And the word propitiation, we find it in a few different places in the Scriptures, but it, it literally means to appease the wrath of God on account of sin. And the Bible says, very important, that Jesus is our propitiation, not just for our sins, but for the sins of of the entire world. This means that Jesus took the bullet for you. This means that, that we deserve the punishment, but instead of uh, you receiving, me receiving the punishment, we deserve Jesus uh, took that punishment for us. The second salvation uh, term uh, is the word redemption. Redemption. And this is a release secured by the payment of a debt or ransom. And of course, we have in the parentheses on the slide, this could apply either to a prisoner or a slave, where someone uh, you know, owed a debt, they were imprisoned, someone owed a debt, they were sold into slavery, or, or you know, some crime, or what have you, and, and we see that redemption is when the release of a person is secured by the payment of that debt or ransom. And again, Jesus is our redemption. One sacrifice, one payment for all sin, for all time. The third word is this word justification. And it means to declare innocent, to acquit, to declare righteous. Now, the most powerful thing in any kingdom is the word of the king. And our king has had some things to say about us and to us. And one of the things is that he has declared you, he has declared me righteous. Amen. And so when we, when we start 
you know, talking about what he's done for us and what he's given to us freely, then it's very important for us uh, to, um, excuse me just a second, my notes uh, vanished from me here, praise God. Uh, it's very important for us uh, to agree with him and to agree with him quickly, praise God. Now, amen, let me pull this back up here in just a second. I want to, I like putting the slides up because again, a lot of folks are taking notes and um, keeping record of these things and so I don't want to, amen, we might have had a little interruption on the internet there, so praise God, hopefully we're still, yeah, we're still live streaming. All right, praise God. I was listening to a radio broadcaster the other day, and, um, and he was doing this thing. He was looking for something in his notes, and I thought, you know, it doesn't sound that bad when he does it. I get kind of antsy, you know, when I'm sitting here doing it, and I'm thinking, well, you know, it's, he just laughs about it and goes on. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. We're going to laugh about it and go on. But here we are. Um, let me get on the right page. Got a lot of notes. All right. Um, <clears throat> so we said that justification I'm not trying to be corny when I say it, just as if I had never sinned. Father wants to treat you like sin never happened. Now, Romans uh, 3, uh, let's begin at verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Now, I'm, I'm reading through these quickly because we commented on a lot of this in, in previous classes. So if you're new to the class, you're like, man, it's just you know, overwhelming us with verses tonight. No, again, you can go back and, and look at these in, in some of the previous classes. But, but what he's basically saying here is that the law of Moses was never intended to make a man right before God in the eyes of God. It was meant to convince us of our need for a Savior and, and for us to receive the gift uh, of righteousness that uh, has been freely given to us. And so this next verse, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Notice there's a comma at the end of verse 23. It continues in verse 24 being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So if you notice in these verses, we have all, of, all three of these uh, terms. We, we have redemption, we have propitiation, and we have uh, justification, right? And why has God done this? To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, obviously a lot's being spoken here. And the key thing that I'm wanting us to zero in on tonight is that it's not our performance that makes us right. It's not our obedience that makes us right. You could never obey enough commands or laws to make yourself right before God in the eyes of God. The only way to be right before God in the eyes of God, to be justified by God, is to accept, receive for yourself the gift that Jesus is offering you, this gift of righteousness that He is offering you. So... We've emphasized this already, I just want to re reiterate that Jesus is, notice I put that in the I and the S both in caps, He is our propitiation, He is our redemption, He is our justification. He didn't just provide these things for us, He is these things for us, right? So because He is our propitiation, because He is our payment, because He is um, our right standing, um, and He's eternal, this means our propitiation, our redemption, and our justification, our right standing before God is eternal. Now, this brings us to the fourth and final uh, salvation term, and it's reconciliation. Reconciliation. And reconciliation means to reestablish a close relationship between. 
to reestablish a close relationship between. And I offer to you tonight that the, the whole point of Jesus being our propitiation, Jesus being our redemption, Jesus being our justification, all is for the purpose of being, being reestablished in a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so, remember a key aspect of discipleship is, anything that Father does in you, He then wants to do through you. Anything... That, that He does in your life, He wants to use you as an instrument to do the same thing in the life of somebody else. So when you hear the gospel message, believe it, receive it, or are born again, He then wants you to go and tell other people that same message that you heard so that they can hear it and receive it and be born again. When you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, He doesn't want you to keep that to yourself. He doesn't want you to be embarrassed to talk about that around the lunch table with your friends. Uh, but he, he wants you... Uh, you know, to, to share that because again, what He did for you, He wants you to, to use you then as an instrument to see that same thing produced in the life of somebody else. The same is true with healing. Jesus said, those who believe on Me will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to spend a minute or two on this particular passage. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 19. Um, I think I mentioned last week that I wanted to come back to this verse because some very uh, powerful uh, truth uh, in these verses that uh, I want you to, to, to hear and I want to make it plain tonight and give you the opportunity to lay hold of it uh, and, and, and carry it on forward uh, with you in your life, alright? So Colossians chapter 1 verse 19, it says this, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And of course, in Him, the capital H is speaking of Jesus. And by Him, so by Jesus, Father, has reconciled all things to Himself by Him, by Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Verse 21, And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now... He has reconciled. So notice, we were once separate, but He has now reconciled us, right? He's talking about a, a, a present state compared to a past condition. Now, He did this in the body of His flesh through death to present you. Notice, He's, we could say us, and a lot of times, um, you know, you can be used as, you know, use guys, y'all, we say here in the South. Um, so it is speaking of both collective and individual. It's very important for you to personalize this. All that Jesus has done for you, all that He has suffered for you, all that He has accomplished for you, we talk about the completed work of Jesus, He did that so that He can now present you holy and blameless and above reproach in Father's sight. Amen. Alright? So again, holy and and blameless, and above reproach in His sight. So, if you believe the Bible, and you've been born again, tonight you are reconciled. You have been reconciled to God the Father. You have been reestablished in a close relationship with Him, because Jesus has presented you to the Father, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. I'm going to say it one more time, then we're going to break down what these words really mean. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now, before I look at these words, before I show you what these words mean, I just I want to remind you that, that, that grace is amazing and that our Father does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And if you think you know how much He loves you, let me just go ahead and tell you, you don't. If you think you know how good He is to you, you haven't even scratched the surface yet. And so it's verses like this that we need to dig into to catch a, a greater glimpse 
a, a, a greater understanding of the scope and magnitude of what it is that has been done for you and what's now true about you because of what Jesus has done for you. All right? um, several weeks ago I asked you, you know, what, what does it mean to you for somebody to be saved? And, and if you say that you've been forgiven for your sins, that's not wrong. I told you that wasn't wrong. That's what most people say. To be saved means Jesus has forgiven us for our sins. Okay, That's true, but that is really, again, just such a shallow understanding. And, and, and even though you have been forgiven, it's more even than your sins being forgiven. He took your sin away. He didn't just cover it over. He didn't just forgive it. He removed it from you as if it has never happened. Okay? So when we start digging into you know, us, you know, Him as our substitute, He lived a sinless life for us, He died as us, He was buried as us, we were buried with Him, we were raised with Him, all of these things. It's to help you better understand what really happened to you uh, when you received salvation, but then also what's true about you now. When, when you were born again, when I was born again, we became something through that experience that we were not before. Remember, it's, it's, not, it's not mythical, it's, it's, it's not metaphorical, it's literal. You were literally born a second time of an incorruptible seed, and through that process, you became something that you were not before. I'm getting way ahead of myself, alright? But the world says something like this, a leopard can't change his spots, okay? Well, you're right, a leopard can't change his spots. But the creator of the leopard can change the leopard's spots. Amen. And so I can't change myself, but the one who created me, he can change me. And that's why, you know, so what if the leopard could be born a second time as a zebra, as a coyote, as an elephant, right? Okay, so I was a sinner, I was a leopard, but I've been born again by a different seed. I was once a sinner. And I couldn't change my spots, but my beautiful Savior came as my propitiation, as my redemption, as my justification, as my reconciliation. And He has transformed me from the inside to the outside so that He can now present me before His Father, holy, blameless, above reproach. Right? So, you may have never thought of yourself as holy, blameless, and above reproach, but your Heavenly Father sees you as holy, blameless, and above reproach. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't, I don't live like somebody who's holy. I still struggle with some things that, that I could be blamed for, and, and I seem to be reproached, by the way, means guilt and shame. And you say, well, I've, st I've still got a whole lot of guilt and shame. See, again, the more you see yourself as holy, blameless, and above reproach, the more your behavior will line up with what you believe to be true about who you are in Christ Jesus. Alright? So, let's go through these words. We'll try to do it quickly. I'll put the definitions up on the screen. Holy in this verse simply means clean, pure, and separated from that which contaminates and defiles. Clean, pure, and separated from that which contaminates and defiles. You see... We, we often have this idea of our salvation, meaning Jesus took whatever defiled us and, and contaminated us, and, and somehow He like, you know, like Velcro, you know how Velcro makes that sound when it peels away, you know, just imagine that sound, that He just kind of peeled all that off of us, okay? But it's not just that He took from you what contaminates and defiles you, but He took you from it, He separated you, from that which contaminates and defiles. Okay, Jesus took us out of sin, death, and darkness and relocated us in holiness, light, and life. We are now saints permanently located in the grace that made us holy. In the grace that made us clean, pure, and separated from that which contaminates and defiles all right let me give you a few verses first corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10 paul said but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace towards me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which was with me okay let me um let me offer a suggestion okay um i know that a lot of people love to say it is what it is all right 
And um, that, that should never be spoken in defeat. Um, we should never look at the mountains in our lives and say, well, it is what it is. When Jesus told us we could speak to the mountains and the mountains be moved. So instead, let me offer to you a phrase from the Word of God. Um, I am what I am by the grace of God. Okay? Paul is acknowledging here that he did not make himself who he now is in Christ Jesus, but that he is who he is by the grace of God. I am, I am holy, clean, pure, and separated from anything that will contaminate or defile me tonight. Not because I'm, I'm such a good person and I've worked so hard to do this. I am that by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's talking about a past completed work, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay? So, what he's speaking of here about being separated from, becoming clean, pure, and separated from, he's saying that we've been relocated. Ephesians says it this way, Ephesians 5, you were once darkness, but now you're light. It's not just that Jesus took darkness from you, He took you from darkness. And He has relocated you in the kingdom of His light and life. Okay? So, we have not just been given grace, but we have been planted in grace. That's what he's saying. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Okay? We have been relocated into the unconditional, unearned favor of God. Okay? Now, um, one last verse here and then we'll go to blameless. All right? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 9. It says, Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Say, so what, what are you talking about food? Is he talking about supper or lunch, breakfast? What is he talking about here? He's talking about all the traditional ritual uh, foods and ceremonies and all these other things that people you know, were so strict and stringent about following and doing, thinking that somehow that made them righteous. He's saying... Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. It's good that the heart be established by grace. My prayer for you tonight is that your heart be established by grace. That, that what you think about yourself, how you see yourself, that, that, it be, that, it be, that it be built upon a foundation of what God's grace has done for you and the grace that you have been transplanted and relocated in. I am what I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. He has made me who I am. He has made me holy. But it also says that when Jesus presented me to the Father, after transforming me in Christ Jesus, that He has made me, presented me blameless. Okay? Now, this word blameless means without internal spot or blemish. The complete and absolute removal of anything that would make you unworthy the word literally means Jesus has made you uncondemnable he has made you uncondemnable all right now <laughs> Romans 8 says that there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus and it's true but even that statement doesn't communicate the full depth of what Jesus has done concerning our condemnation he has not only uh, made it so that you no longer are condemned, but it's even better than that. He has made you uncondemnable. Amen. Think about that for a moment. This is what it means to be blameless, to be without blame, to be without internal spot or blemish. Okay, The complete and absolute removal of anything that would make you unworthy or the complete and absolute removal of anything that could be held against you to condemn you. Because there's absolutely nothing that, uh, that, that is left, amen, as far as uh, you know, residue of, of, of your old person or what have you. Uh, it has made you un, 
condemnable. All right? You know, again, we, our rule in discipleship class is the biblical rule of at least two witnesses. Now, I got more, but you know, you're just going to throw something out like that. That's pretty strong. Some people have never even heard something of this, of this magnitude. Okay, well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Okay? Now, we've been talking about some of these things on Sunday mornings, and uh, it's, it's, you know, these, the Sunday and the Wednesday have, have almost been running on parallel tracks. Okay? Um, and some of the things we've been talking about on Sunday mornings is that Father has removed our transgressions for His own sake. Not just something He did for you to help you. It's something Jesus did for you and me, but also He did it for His Father to help His Father. So notice now, Father God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The Bible teaches us that. We've already covered that in in previous classes. That He gave you grace and purpose in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, here we see in verse number 4 that you were chosen by God in Christ Jesus, before the foundation of the world. And notice, this was already planned, was already put in motion, so that Father's desire could be fulfilled, that you be holy and without blame before Him in love. Okay? Well, again, you know, I feel so sorry for people who think that they can, you know, double their efforts to be a good person and somehow this makes them right before God in the eyes of God. My friend, the only, the only sta- acceptable standard of righteousness in God's eyes, in our Father's eyes, is the standard that Jesus established. And it's a good thing that He's giving us that standard. He's giving us that gift of righteousness freely because no other righteousness measures up. The Bible says all other righteousness is self-righteousness and it's as filthy rags. It's, it's garbage to, to our Heavenly Father. Okay? So, the standard is holy, clean, pure, separated, without blame, without any accusation, where nobody can even accuse you of, of doing something. You know, we've, we've come to a place in our country, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying for revival and believing God for revival. I hope that you're praying and believing God for revival in our country. Okay? We've come to a place in our country to where really qualified people um, do not run for public office because of the scrutiny, because, you know, in, in other words, you know, they, they look for, um, you know, somebody that got a, a, a ticket in, in middle school, you know, driving without a license because they were 12 years old, you know. In other words, they, they look and look and look to try to find something uh, in somebody's past uh, to try to shame and discredit and embarrass and humiliate. And, and listen, we've all made mistakes, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want my personal business put out uh, like that. Uh, mistakes that I made when I was younger or what have you, okay? Um, and, and so, if you can understand that concept, what Father God is saying here when He says blameless, He's saying, let them look, they can't find nothing as far as I'm concerned. It's all, it's, it never happened, okay? So, blameless, holy and blameless, without blame before Him in love. Let's keep going. Verse 5. Having predestined us, predetermined, determined beforehand, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. He made you accepted in the Beloved. So, so holy, blameless, the last one is above reproach. Above reproach. And above reproach means without accusation. Unaccused and unaccusable. Reproach is an expression of disapproval, disgrace, or shame. So notice now, if, as if 
uncondemnable is not enough. You're uncondemnable because you're unaccusable. There's nothing that anybody can even accuse you of that will hold any weight, that will have any credibility um, with, with your Heavenly Father. If you've been born again, man, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. But, but when Jesus washed you in His blood and made you a new creation in Christ Jesus, made you just as if you've never sinned, right? <laughs> Amen. Gave you the same right standing with God the Father as Jesus. Jesus is not a forgiven sinner. Jesus is a man who never sinned, okay? When, when you were given His righteousness, you were not given the right standing of someone who sinned and was forgiven. You were given the right standing of someone who's never sinned. There's nothing, there's nothing even, even to accuse you of. Okay? This is how clean He has made you. This is, this is how, how thorough uh, it is that, that He has saved you. On, on Sunday we talked about complete salvation. Jesus didn't leave any stone Unturned. He didn't leave any, any crack for the devil to get in. He covered every, every conceivable aspect so that he has effectively shut down the curse where we are concerned. Alright, let's look at this in Romans 8 and 31 through 34. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Bringing a charge means who can bring accusation against God's elect. It is God who justifies. It is God who uh, makes you uh, like sin never happened, just as if you'd never sinned. It's God who does this. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Him making intercession, remember, that's your mediator, that's your representative. He also happens to be, in addition to your mediator, your advocate, He also happens to be your propitiation. He also happens to be your redemption. He also happens to be your justification. And He also happens to be your reconciliation. Praise God. I want to give you Colossians 1, 21 through 23 from the Passion Translation, okay? It says this, Even though you were once distant from Him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, He reconnected you back to Himself. He released His supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of His own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in His presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored, if indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. I love that, I love that phrase, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. What is he talking about? Being shaken from the hope, the confident expectation. Well, remember, we're all of this is true about you and me by faith, meaning we believe it's true. Praise God. And, and remember, faith doesn't say, I believe it when I see it. If you wait until you are living without any blemish to believe you are without any blemish, you will never live without any blemish. You've got to believe it's true about you even when your own behavior seems to contradict it. You've got to believe it's true because Father God says that it is and this is who you are in His sight. Praise God. All right, now, we're going to continue to talk about some stuff, but let's, in other words, we're, it seems like we're shifting, but we're really not. We're going to continue to talk about these things. But from all of this, um, I want to zero in on righteousness, Okay. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, you started this thing 30-something classes ago talking about reconciliation and how Father's main agenda is reconciliation. And, and absolutely, He wants His children back. He wants us to be reestablished in a close relationship with Him. And that is true, whether you understand that or not, whether you believe that's true or not, it's true. He said He'd never leave you nor forsake you. Be with you always, even to the end of the way. You have been, been reestablished in a close relationship with Father God. 
So you say, well, well why aren't we talking about reconciliation consciousness? Because the greatest um, hindrance to our functioning in a close relationship with God is something that the Bible refers to as sin consciousness. Right? In other words, all these things that we're talking about, the enemy tries to counteract all of that by saying you're not worthy. You, you don't deserve this. You're unworthy. Okay? So when we talk about righteousness, consciousness, consciousness, a simpler way to say that would be awareness. For you to become aware, you to become conscious of the righteousness that you have become. Because the more conscious you are of your righteousness, the more uh, conscious you're going to be of the close relationship you already have with Father God. Amen. I have people sometimes say, you know, I'm, Pastor Mark, I've, I've messed up, I've done some things wrong, and, and I, I, want, I want you to pray, you know, that, that I'll, I'll get back close to God. Amen. Well, I understand what they're saying. I'm not trying to, you know, if you've ever asked me to pray that kind of prayer for you or something like that, I'm not trying to, you know, knock you or diss you or anything like that. But the reality of it is this, right? He never left you. He never left you. Amen. He was right there with you. I, I've, even, I've even talked to folks, right? They're, 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 they're sitting in a bar, drunk out of their mind, telling people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I know of people that in the crack house are sharing the gospel with people. Not because they went to that crack house to share the gospel, mind you. Okay? And the Holy Spirit right there on them while they're doing it. You know, the, 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 the Bible cautions us about what we do with our bodies because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, He's going to live in you forever. And if as a born-again person, you go and do something foolish, He says you're grieving the Holy Spirit by dragging the Holy Spirit with you into those situations because He doesn't, he doesn't wait at the door for you to get finished with your sinful deeds. So the reality of it is, you know, it's, it's, you know, we may feel distant from God, but my friend, you've become one with Him. When you were born again, your newly born again spirit and the Holy Spirit became one spirit. It doesn't get any closer to God than that. Amen. But notice, we question that, we doubt that, we don't live as if it's true because of our lack of understanding when it comes to our righteousness or our right standing with God. See, when we talk about reconciliation, what we're really talking about is fellowship with God. Okay? And when we talk about our righteousness, what we're really talking about is our standing with God. Standing and fellowship. Right? And notice, when we, when we don't understand and have zero confidence in our standing, it makes us want to be standoffish from Him. Okay? It's kind of like, like if, let's say, uh, you know, somehow you've wronged somebody or something like that, you know, the tendency is to, is to kind of want to avoid that person. If you think somebody's disappointed in you or you let them down or, you know, maybe they invited you to some function and whatever reason you, you didn't go and had a lame excuse, now all of a sudden you, you feel awkward when you're around that person, right? So again, a lack of understanding when it comes to your righteousness or your standing with, with, with God uh, affects, uh, negatively impacts your fellowship with Him. And ultimately what Father's wanting from you and me is fellowship. He's wanting communion. He's wanting us to participate in life with Him, do life together with Him. So I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth when I, when I put such tremendous emphasis on the reconciliation piece or the fellowship piece, but what I've learned in my own life personally and then in ministering to other people is that the more we understand our righteousness, uh, the more comfortable we are in our fellowship with God. The less we understand it, the less comfortable we are in our fellowship with Him. Notice, and there's other things that are true. We've been since last year talking about uh, the blessing of God upon our lives. And there's a key uh, con connection here as well. Um, the more aware we are of our righteousness, our standing with God, the more confident we, we have in His favor and blessing upon us. Okay, Or, or as I like to say, the more blessing-minded we are. But the more aware we are of sin, guess what that makes us more aware of? More expecting of the curse, right? And so you even hear people say when something bad happens, well, I had that coming, I deserve that, what have you. Well, no, you may have had it coming, but remember, Jesus took that for you already. He became a curse for you so that the blessing of Abraham could be upon your life. So 
we're talking now about our daily lives. We're talking about our, our daily function. And, and to me, um, there is nothing more important for a born-again believer, uh, you know, when we talk about understanding as far as the impact that it has on our daily walk with God, our serving Him. How about this? Uh, I, I know in my own life, you know, you have a rough week, what have you, you come in, it affects our worship. We don't feel like we're worthy to worship. See, again, notice it's affecting the fellowship, it's affecting what Father desires uh, from us. The Holy Spirit keeps prompting me on this, and so let, let, me, let me just say this, praise God, right? When we talk about holy, blameless, above reproach, I did not negotiate that for myself. It wasn't like I said, hey, look, Father, if, if you want me to come back to you, you're going to have to make me holy and blameless and above reproach or the deal's off, okay? I mean, if, if he'd have just done something to keep me out of a devil's hell for eternity, I would have been eternally grateful. I didn't say, you either make me your heir and a joint heir with Jesus or don't make me an heir at all. I, I did not negotiate that deal. Jesus did all of this. This was decided adoption as sons, co-heirs with Jesus, co-glorified with Jesus, seated together with Jesus, holy and blameless before Him in love. All of that was decided before I was ever formed, before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. This is Father's doings. So you can sit there and say, man, that pastor's lost his mind. What's he saying? That's, that's ridiculous. That don't make any sense. My friend, you don't understand. You're not being critical of, of what I desire for you. You're being critical of what your Creator Father desires for you. He's the one that did all this. Amen. And has offered it, paid for it, and has presented it before you to either receive or reject. So, righteousness, consciousness. You remember a few weeks back when we were talking about being buried with Christ and being raised up together with Him. And the Scriptures in Romans 6 say to reckon yourself resurrected. So we talk about righteousness, consciousness. I put it in parentheses there underneath that on the slide. Reckon yourself righteous. Consider yourself right before God in the eyes of God. Righteousness consciousness, meaning aware of our righteousness as opposed to sin consciousness, opposed of our, uh, uh, aware of our sin. Living our, our lives you know, focused on, conscious of our sin versus living our lives focused on, conscious of, aware of our right standing with God the Father. Your enemy will do everything in his power to try to... to, to pressure you into living a sin-conscious, sin-aware life as opposed to a righteousness-consciousness, righteousness-aware life. Alright? Now, thank you, Jesus. Let's go to, uh, amen, let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so we're going we're gonna to push on through for a, a little while longer. I appreciate you hanging in here with me. Amen. I know we're drawing close on 8 o'clock, so just a few more minutes. And um, I pray that you're getting something. I believe. I'm not just praying. I'm believing in faith that you're getting something out of this tonight. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. It says this, Moreover, whom he predestined. So we just read all that out of Ephesians, that what God had predetermined. Notice here it is again. Whom he predetermined, predestined, that he all, these he also called, um, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Let's look at this same passage from the Amplified. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them <coughs> excuse me, to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Praise God. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, let's look at a verse there that we're going to come back uh, to Romans 5. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. I've got a target I'm trying to hit tonight, so let's hang in here a few more minutes and we'll, and we'll get to that target, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 um, and verse 21. I'm going to give it to you first from the New King James, I'm sorry, from the King James Version. King James Version. 
It says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us. This is speaking of what Father God has done as far as Jesus is concerned for us. Father God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, um, I, I put the King James Version up that we might be made. The New King James Version says, um, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So King James has it be made. Uh, New King James has it become. Um, let me give it to you in the Passion. It says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. Okay? So, in these different translations, we're seeing that Jesus became our sin so that we could become His righteousness. He was made, made our sin so that we might be made His righteousness. If He was never made our sin, we could never be made His righteousness. If He never became our sin, we could never become His righteousness. He became our sin, was made our sin, so that we can become, so that we can be made His righteousness. Now, if we go into this word, um, let me go back to the King James. If we go back to this phrase, be made, become, obviously is one word, be made is two words. In the original language, the word means, are you ready? It means to change the state of something. It also means for that thing to come into existence in a new or different state. Alright? So, this is the context of this is what? That we were sinners, Jesus became our sin, so that we might come into existence as righteousness. So that we might be made not just right, but that we might be made the highest standard of righteousness that exists, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, what am I, what am I trying to emphasize here? Righteousness is not just something that you've been given. I mean, you have been given it, don't misunderstand me, but it's more than that. It's something that you've become. You, you have been made righteous. It's not, you know, like I've got, you know, car keys in my pocket, I've got a, a wallet in my back pocket, okay? Those are things that belong to me that I possess, but it's not the same as, um, you know, me having gray hair or brown eyes. It's not the same as me being over six foot tall. So, you see, the difference is I have keys, I have a wallet, I am gray-headed, brown-eyed, and above average height. You see, in other words, one is something that I possess, another is something that I was made, I became. It's my, it's, it's, it's the, it's my physical existence. Okay? So, again, this is very important since righteousness is something you became. Remember, you were born a second time of an incorruptible seed. Seed determines the nature of a thing. You can't change the nature of a thing without changing the seed that produced it. This is why you must be born a second time of a different seed. The seed that we were born of the second time remade us. Right? We, we were sinners. Now we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. I mean, I didn't make myself righteous. I couldn't make myself righteous. I could try for a thousand lifetimes to make myself righteous and fail every single time. But I've been come. I've been made. My existence, I existed once as a sinner in darkness. I now exist as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in the light. Romans 5 and 9 i got lots of favorite verses on righteousness. This is one of my favorites. He says, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. 
I want you to see something here. I'm going I'm to put it up on the screen and point it out, okay? Having been made righteous. This is speaking of a past completed work. Because we have been made righteous, we are now righteous. Present tense state of being. And will therefore be saved from eternal damnation. Wrath means eternal damnation in that context, in that verse. And will therefore be saved from eternal damnation in hell. Future tense results and benefits. You say, well, uh, that's making such a big deal about that, Pastor Mark. What's, what, again, notice, because you have been made, you now are, and because you now are, it's not just producing benefits in your life now, results in your life now, it will produce benefits and results in the future. Because the, in other words, it, it doesn't say you've been made the right, you've been given righteousness, you now have righteousness, and if you play your religious cards right, you know, uh, perhaps that'll help you one day uh, on Judgment Day. Now, see, again, that, that's how the devil wants us to think about these things. You know, okay, so you were, you were forgiven for your sins, and um, try to be a good person, and keep your fingers and toes crossed when you stand before God one day to be judged, and maybe, just maybe, um, you won't wind up in hell. No, no, see that, wrong, wrong, wrong. I've been made righteous. That's a past completed work. Because of that past completed work, I now am the righteousness of God. It's something I've become. The only way I can become anything different is to be born a third time. And that's, only God can do that. And God's not interested in undoing what he's already done. Amen, what he paid such a high price to produce in me. All right. Besides, there's no need for that because... He wouldn't even entertain an accusation against me. I'm unaccusable. I'm uncondemnable. I'm complete, clean, pure, and separate from anything that would defile me. Praise the living God. All right? Amen. Woo! All right. So, so we've been made, I've been made righteous. I am righteous. And because I am righteous, I will therefore be saved from eternal damnation and hell. It's the future tense results and benefits. All right. So let's do this, and I promise I'll finish right here. Somebody asked me um, on, uh, on Sundays, like, you know, is there some rule that it has to be a certain time frame and all that? It, and the answer to that is no. And sometimes I am, I am too conscientious about time and should just let it fly, let it rip. That's one of the reasons why I like this class uh, in, the, uh, in its normal time setting. I have almost two hours uh, to teach these things, okay, which is... Um, uh, fabulous, amen, uh, to get to do that, but um, amen, I do know that there's only so much we can process at a time, and if, and if you go too, too long, uh, then people start, it's just overwhelm, overload, all right, so I want to just hit that sweet spot and stretch you just a little bit, amen, okay, um, so uh, righteousness you take a note, write this down. I've got slides on it, but my internet's dropped out on me again here, Bluetooth, whatever it is. Righteousness is a state of being. Holiness is a state of doing. Godliness also is a state of doing. So you have three words, righteousness, Holiness, godliness. For many, many years of my Christian walk, I believe those words were synonymous with one another. In other words, interchangeable. They all three mean the same thing. That's not correct. Okay? They're three different words that are related, but they do not have the same meaning. Okay? So we've spent a tremendous amount of time tonight talking about our righteousness, something we've become. So again, having been made righteous... My existence now is that of one who is righteous. I am righteous, and because I am righteous, I will be saved from eternal damnation, future tense benefits and results. Okay? So righteousness then, I want you to get this, it's a state of being. My gray hair is a physical state of being. My brown eye is a physical state of being. Okay? Righteousness is to my born-again spirit what brown eyes are to my body. Okay? It's a characteristic that I now possess because I, I have become that. Amen. 
right? Now, holiness, on the other hand, is a state of doing. And what, what do we mean by that? Holiness is all the things that I do not do now because I've been made righteous. You say, Pastor Mark, I wasn't taught it this way. Amen. Just let the Holy Spirit help you. I'm not trying to, uh, to pick a doctrinal fight with you. I'm trying to help you see something on a bigger picture, okay? And tomato, tomato, just hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to you, okay? Holiness is all the things we don't do anymore because we've been made righteous. Okay, all the jokes we don't laugh at, all the websites we don't go to, all the things we don't take into our bodies, um, things that, you know, sinful behaviors we don't, we abstain from those things. That's holiness. It's a state of doing. It's something we do. Okay? Um, and we do it because we've been made righteous. Not we do it because we're trying to make ourselves righteous. We do it because we've been made righteous. And this is how a righteous man lives. Okay? Godliness, on the other hand, this, these are all the things that we do now because we've been made righteous. It's also a state of doing. Godliness is a state of doing. Okay? So what are some godly things that we do now because we have been made righteous? We, we pray, we read our Bible, we come to church, we, we serve, we volunteer, we give to others, we show love. I mean, the list is on and on and on. These are things that we do. And the Bible actually tells us to exercise ourselves towards godliness. That godliness is something you can practice and get better at. And just like lifting weights, you start out lifting the five-pound dumbbells of godliness, and next thing you know, you're lifting 25 dumbbells of, of, of godliness. In other words, you've exercised yourself towards it, and, 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 and you're growing in these things. But here's the thing, and this is where we'll, we'll begin next week. Here's the thing, though, that you've got to understand. Your righteousness is a state of being and is not dependent upon your holiness and your godliness. That's so important. And I know for a lot of folks, it's almost like fingernails on a chalkboard. But listen to me, please. To think that, you know, um, somehow I can do something to make myself more righteous than Jesus. See, that, that, don't, that don't fly there. Whose righteousness have I become? The state of being, the existence that I now have in, in my born-again spirit is that I've been made the same righteousness as Jesus Himself. For me to think that I can do something to add to that means I believe I can do something to make myself more righteous than Him. That's not happening. Okay? Or that I could abstain. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to stay away from this stuff and make myself more righteous. Or I'm going I'm to read my Bible more and make myself more righteous. No, 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 no. It's not that we're doing these things to make ourselves righteous. It's we're doing these things because we've been made righteous. See, this is what I've learned. It's one thing to serve God because you want to be accepted by Him. It's another thing to serve Him because you know you are. Amen. Wow, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're definitely going to go a little longer than 36 classes. I, mean, I can just tell you right now because of where we are and where we need to be before we wrap this up. So, um, those of you who are just, you know, so, so locked into, I want, I want my certificate because I've been to 36 classes, just, hey, reach out to me. I'll get you a certificate tomorrow or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But as we said at the beginning, it's more about the content than it is um, the completion just to say that we did it, all right? So, amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the things that you're revealing to us tonight. Thank you, Father, for the things that you're helping us connect with. Father, that we're, we're going to reckon ourselves righteous. We're going to quit aligning our thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. And we're going to start aligning our thoughts, words, and actions, Father, with what your word says. You have declared us righteous, and there is nothing more powerful in any kingdom than the word of the king. And because the king has made us righteous, the king has declared us righteous, we are righteous. Father, may we never, ever disagree with you again on this issue but may we submit ourselves to your righteousness and stop trying to make ourselves right before you in your eyes thank you for what you've done for us thank you for this indescribable gift thank you for your grace 
Father, may we move forward in it tonight for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God, we'll be live and in person again this coming Sunday morning at 1030. We look forward to you joining us. And if you uh, can't for some reason or still aren't comfortable uh, assembling together with crowds of folks, that's fine. Um, we, we don't quite yet have the live stream capabilities in the sanctuary, but we're, we're committed to getting those uh, uh, sermons uh, uploaded onto the website and Facebook um, as quickly as possible after the service on Sunday morning. Uh, you be blessed. Uh, good things coming. Uh, I know some of you, we've got some of our folks that are dealing with some physical issues and not trying to put that out over the World Wide Web, but those of you who know the situations I'm talking about, have good reports, they're, they're doing well, they're healthy, no symptoms, and, and so we're thankful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, good things coming, and um, we'll, we'll be together on Sunday, if not before. Amen. You be blessed.